I'm Monica Malpass on Inside Story. Court dates for protesters fighting Philadelphia immigration policies. But did police undo the mayor's relationship with progressives? Let's get the inside story. Good morning and welcome to Inside Story. Let's meet our insiders this week and they are Charmaine Matlock-Turner, a nonprofit executive. Good morning. Good welcome morning. back to you. Liz Preed Havey, who is a GOP state official and attorney. Good morning, Liz. Good Great morning. to see you. AJ Raju, attorney. Thank you, sir, for being here as well. And Farah Jimenez, nonprofit executive. Nice to see you again, Farah. Thank you. Let's talk about what happened last week in Philadelphia on Wednesday because seven years ago in 2011, we had Occupy Philadelphia mm -hmm. for 56 days, a tent city, a protest of serious order and not as much of a violence creator and I, I don't recall very many arrests. This time we had uh, a confrontation at 8th and Cherry. Police did say that the door was blocked to the ICE offices, which is illegal. They simply asked three or four times, as is the legal way to go about it, to please move aside. Uh, and apparently a protest broke out that turned violent. Thro things were thrown and violence occurred on both sides. Seven arrests, uh, more than that, but seven were being charged and taken to court. And that tent city was removed. Uh, did that uh, surprise you on the one hand that it quickly escalated to that or is this a new time? Well, I think number one, the issue is really a very, very tough issue. Um, and, and I don't want us to lose track of the fact that um, protests, whether they're occupying spaces or whether or not they're walking around the streets, they're trying to bring attention to a very, very important issue, which is this is not the way that we're used to treating people who come to our country even if they're residents and they're not citizens. And people are trying to make a loud enough statement to say we need to do something about it. So now I don't think that anybody supports any kind of violence around any of this, but I think trying to bring attention so that we can have some action um, at the federal government to finally get to some reforms that we know that we really need is absolutely critical. So it's the overall climate though, AJ? Are we in a new era where there is a, a more quick reaction, if you will? I think we're certainly in a new era. I mean, you know, you have people on both sides of the aisle who are identifying who the other is and attacking them, whether it's an online or, or, or you know, through protest. I think we are, but there's also this sense that uh, tribalism, nationalism, you know, your tribe, whether it is identity politics, when it comes from the leadership, when there's a moral vacuum up top and then it filters down to the masses, I think you're seeing a little bit of that as well. Um, um, but I think, I think I, for uh, all, all things considered, our police force always has a pretty calm response, even if they're agitated. And I, it's pretty remarkable compared to other big cities how great our police force is. And the mayor did have a great relationship with progressives, as you will. Did this undermine it or was this just a little blip? This is not uh, the big, you know, splashy thing that happens in L.A., New York, Chicago, some of the other cities where it gets ugly quickly. I'm told that the mayor is is a little surprised or um, is a little unhappy because apparently his office did everything they could to work with these protesters and everyone thought they understood the rules. And, uh, you know, he's been very open borders, you know, very um, uh, progressive on uh, immigration. So th this is a little strange. I, I also think that this protest to rid the country of ICE, it's really extreme. And again, protests, I think they're, they're a good thing. But to, to abolish ICE, and, and nobody's saying what ICE has done wrong. Let's, let's, let's actually have a real discussion about what, how could ICE perform its job better? 
that would be much more productive. I think well, there are sort of people who are saying that, even people within ICE. Uh, some of the former directors, at least under the Obama administration, are very concerned that ICE is being turned into a deportation force as opposed to really trying to figure out who's in the country and who's dangerous, who could cause a threat to everyone. So they, many of the people who work there see themselves in a no-win situation where they've been building relationships in immigrant communities and other communities to try to find people who are dangerous, and now they're being used as a deportation force. So, so there are real, some real questions but here. The protesters came out, um, first of all, they were organized by the socialist part of the Democratic Party. Um, and they specifically stated that they wanted to abolish ICE and that no more information from the Philadelphia police should be shared with ICE. And, and that's just an untenable request. So I think the people who are being thoughtful about the issue are addressing it that way. But I think the loud voice right now is so far to the left that we're, we're just polarizing. And it's not, it's not leading to the, the better discussions. I, again, it's just more screaming. Um, on one side, and it's not going to be addressed unless people come up with the rational. I, I was solution. just going to say that I think that um, for a mayor like uh, James Kenney, who is viewing himself as liberal, sometimes leaning more left of liberal, a little bit left of center. Um, it probably did come as a surprise that people with whom he agrees on the general sentiment around sanctuary cities and the protection of immigrant um, would not be willing to meet him. Um, on his terms in terms of make sure that the focus is on that issue, not on his relationship with these protesters. That being said, we have hallmarks of this in past um, elections when you had Bernie, um, Bernie Sanders being protested by Black Lives Matters and they would come onto his podium and insist right. that he had to proclaim things that were much left of someone who's already viewing himself as a socialist, but left of even where he stands. This is really showing that the Democratic Party has an area of, um, a category of of um, voters that they're going to have to finally wrestle with. Just like Republicans are cons constantly being put to task on the fact that they have um, ultra conservatives who are viewed as being neo-Nazis um, and inappropriate to be aligned with their party, I think the Democrats are going to have a day of reckoning where they're going to have to make a decision about whether or not people who take these kinds of approaches to protesting policy statements are people they want to be aligned with. And a corollary on the one hand is the fact that we had 900 families from Puerto Rico who came here seeking some uh, relief from Hurricane Maria several uh, months ago, and now uh, they have been removed from the hotels and churches and places in many cases where they had come for asylum, if you will, from their horror, horrible situation. Uh, we haven't been able to get the federal aid together because our governor is still working with the governor of Puerto Rico to try to figure out how many and how long and in what way do we need to help these people. And so in the hanging in the balance, if you will, are some of the people who came here looking for relief. What do we do with our Puerto Rican friends? Well, I mean, I think if you just look at a larger point is that if you look at our policies and our rhetoric, the prioritization is on um, uh, de deporting uh, uh, folks as opposed to the climate change or EPA or education. You know, Trump wants to now merge Department of Education, Department of Labor. You know, you can see where the prioritization is. If you look at Texas, uh, when the hurricane in Houston versus the hurricane in Puerto Rico, and just compare the numbers, response time, dollars spent, and you will know 
who the president and the people in power care about. And, and uh, the folks in Puerto Rico, I think, were uh, collateral damage to an overall political sentiment of identity politics they in this were, country. I mean, they were also collateral damage to a very poor administration of resources on the island for oh, many absolutely. years. The one thing to remember is they are recognized citizens of the United yeah. States, so they have exactly. all the rights right. of all citizens. And I sure. think sometimes people forget that because they come from a Spanish-speaking country. Right. And, um, and sometimes it's viewed as a separate country when it's in the, in the international um, uh, realm. Yet, they are American citizens, sure. so they're entitled to some of those benefits, and I know that many of the individuals who are seeking housing have found a home with our Philadelphia Housing Authority that has opened its doors to allow them to find um, permanent housing through those offerings. So I think the federal government right. um, and is think, one vehicle right. to provide But I housing. also think that the courts have stepped in again. We've needed the courts to say, hey, wait a minute, hold on a minute. So the courts have said people do not have to be removed right now. Let's get back to what the normal process is, which is what you said. Philadelphia Housing Authority, the Housing of Urban Development, all of those agencies are supposed to be working with Americans to help them find safe places in order to live. We need but to make sure that that process works. And the Lutheran works. disaster response did kick in $100,000, so everybody's trying, but I don't know if it's enough, quickly enough. That's the issue. Well, I think, and just to make the point, because I think it's really important what AJ said, there are estimated 5,000 people who lost their lives in the hurricane, and the fact that that... More if you com combine it af uh, after the effect, immediate right. 5,000. The fact that that hasn't been a bursting headline for months and months in the U.S. is No really power striking. for eight months. Right. And right. can really you imagine striking. if Philadelphia was out of power, even a small neighborhood in Philadelphia was out of power for eight months, what would be the reaction? And I know that our response during Katrina was to open up our arms and do absolutely everything. And so the hope is that... But New um, Orleans had better infrastructure. Puerto Rico did not lack right. that for years, right? right? They didn't have basic infrastructure that they needed. So their rebuilding is, is much different than much what longer. needed to be done in <coughs> Texas. Right. Or but the North. rest of the country needs to be here to say, even if something wasn't working in Puerto Rico, we've got the rest, we've got, you know, 50 other states where people can be and be supported and can be helped to make sure that they are going to have some safe place to live and right. stay while these <coughs> other issues are being dealt with. And the fact that we're all of a sudden sending out notices and saying, by the way, get out by tomorrow at 12 noon, right. I just think that that's horrific. All right, let's move on and talk about budgets. New Jersey passed a $37.8 billion budget. Uh, they did not raise taxes and no government shutdown. That's the good news. The bad news for many folks is that the federal government agreed that states can now tax uh, internet sales. And so $188 million of new monies coming to New Jersey coffers. That's good for the government. Maybe not so good if you buy a lot on the internet because it is, in effect, a sales tax. Uh, can you have it both ways, AJ, where you don't necessarily raise I, real estate taxes, but you get your money the I other found way? It interesting how they uh, uh, compromised. Uh, they went after the millionaires and the billionaires, but instead of a million, they went up to five million or above. And then they also went after uh, businesses. Um, New Jersey is already one of the highest tax states. Uh, where did they go? Did they go to New York? Also high state. Would they go to Philadelphia? Also high. So right. uh, I guess you uh, tax the rich. Online sales arguably, arguably though, could be at and all levels. Airbnb, I mean, right? all of those things. I it's thought everybody. It was clever. I thought it was, it was clever how they approached that. What I thought was interesting about it is, it, it, to me, that's a microcosm. What happened in that budget debate between the governor and the head of the Senate is really what's happening nationally with Democrats, right? Yeah. So you had the governor who is now moving to the left, who people say is interested in running for president. And I think it's really his, his more farther left policies that he was pushing. They're more suitable for the national stage. I'm not sure that New Jersey is actually that liberal, whereas I think Sweeney, um, you know, is a typical more of a Joe Biden Democrat. 
Uh, and the two of them were fighting to, to figure out which way to go. And I don't think that's going to stop. That's going to continue. But to your point, Liz, I think what, what, uh, what Sweeney did was a, a measured approach to make sure that you don't have a flight uh, exactly. of, of businesses and, 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 the, and the wealthy from out of New, New I Jersey. I think Sweeney just has a long view as opposed to maybe Governor Murphy who is looking at elevated office. And when you have a long view and you feel like you're going to be there for a while and potentially yourself run for governor, you want to set up a situation in the state <coughs> that's going to be something palatable that'll let you be successful. Yeah. And therefore, I think his focus on pensions, while it makes him unpopular with the, with the um, with the public unions, is the right way to go. It's to focus on the fact that the New Jersey um, is only above Illinois with respect to the weakness of its state pension. Mm. They have to start to address that or it's going to find its way towards a statewide version of Detroit where they're going to have to rescind on By a lot of agreements with, the with these unions. And he's going to have to face that if he wants to be governor in four, eight years. And but so I think in order I think to, to be able to bring attention to try to get New Jerseyans there was to try to at least make some investments in areas where people believe are important as well, which is uh, more money into higher education, especially trying to get to the issue of community colleges being free for low-income families, to look at homeowners in New Jersey and for those who are lower income to find uh, the exemptions uh, that they ultimately need, the earned income tax credit for those who are working who aren't making a lot of money to make that available. So I think at least they put on the table some issues that are affecting those who are at the lower income level so that hopefully we can bring everyone together because I agree with you the pension issue has to be dealt with but there are also other kinds of interventions well, that are necessary They raised well. almost half a billion dollars potentially from these taxes to address that but by 2024 pension alone will be 26 percent of the budget right. so mm -hmm. you can't it ignore pushes it. Out the elephant else. in the room yeah. and let's talk about the Pennsylvania state budget which also passed and then uh, everybody recessed for the summer break but the problem is many high-profile issues did not get dealt with will they though deal with those before a November election where the entire house is up for grabs half the Senate seats are going to be reelected uh, they're not going to deal with redistricting abortion hazing domestic violence these hot topics that uh, Op opposition candidates could grab onto mm -hmm. and then pin them to the wall during an election with, mm -hmm. right? They're just going to leave those alone. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, sir, it's, it depends on where you live, where you're running. If you're running in the western part of the state, you're sure you can you can deal with um, some of these more social issues. But if you're running in the southeast, you, you can't, you, you don't want to have to be put up to uh, vote on those issues. So I don't, I don't think there's going to be much done. And everybody, they're all running right now for re-election. Right. So I think it's going to be uh, not much done until um, after probably in January when the, the new legislator is. There, is there are only nine voting days, as a matter of fact, yeah, on the yeah. calendar, so they can't really actually even accomplish that right. much. There are, I'm told that they're going to return and take up one bill, which is SB 172, which is on the speed enforcement cameras. And that matters to Philadelphia yeah. because Roosevelt Boulevard has continues to be a death trap for many pedestrians and, vic um, and drivers. And so it's going to focus on being able to bring those cameras to uh, Philadelphia, which also important the reason they're focusing on it is because it's a farewell gift to state representative John Taylor mm. who's been representing his district for um, 17 terms mm. um, and he's a Republican who represents Philadelphia's Northeast and uh, it's one of those bills that he's presenting forward and if he's owed anything it's something that is a signature investment in Philadelphia what he's always been willing to do when he's been in the state house all right thank That's you Farrah. we're gonna take a break more inside story coming your way right after this 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University.
Welcome back to Inside Story. The Pennsylvania governor's race is heating up. Of course, Scott Wagner versus Tom Wolf, the incumbent. And an interesting time. Scott Wagner is really behind in the money race, if you will, 10 to 1. And that is one interest of his trying to get bigger war chest, obviously, for TV ads in the fall. Uh, but some folks say because he's uh, lining himself uh, in a Trump-like fashion, that that could be a double-edged sword. Do you think that's a help or a hurt, AJ? I think it's such, we're such in a wild card environment. Uh, there are a lot of folks who are sort of underground Trump supporters. You can see it among Republicans. And if they come out and vote, 90% approval rating of, of, for Trump. And if that carries over for Scott Wagner, then the 23% that are undecided right now could impact the race. Uh, it's still a, a long shot, but uh, it could happen. Definitely Trump is going to come campaign for him, but do you think that they hand over, fork over the cash? No, I, I, I don't know if you need, I, I, I realize almost every election money matters, but now I do think that uh, turnout will matter and people, people show up. Yeah, I think people are really counting on whether you're on the Democratic side or Republican side, you're looking at enthusiasm. Who is really most excited about coming out? And not only for the governor's race, but really the Democrats are very much coming out to say we are anti-Trump and we want to push the Democrats not only in Harrisburg, but also in Washington as well. So I think that's what people are really looking at. Are the Democrats enthusiastic enough to be able to take on any kind of push that comes from the Trump administration? And I think Charmaine's right. It is about enthusiasm, and there's definitely a tremendous amount of enthusiasm on the Democratic Party. However, one way you can address enthusiasm is to build it yourself. And you have to remember that Scott Wagner in 2014 was able to successfully conduct a write-in campaign for a U.S. Senate, uh, for a PA Senate office. Mm -hmm. That requires someone completely committed to building enthusiasm and doing a lot of hard work. And that's evidence going further now is that recognizing that there are, that they're behind, that they are trying to build that groundswell by conducting 67 town hall, halls, a town hall in every county, and they're open. You can go on Eventbrite and sign up to go to one. They've conducted two already in different counties. They're trying to make it clear that while they have a lot of connection to Trump in terms of being a business person and being bold and forthright in their statements, that there is something different here and something worth voting for. And interesting in the Pennsylvania Senate race because a similar dynamic. We have Lou mm -hmm. Barletta, a Republican, mm -hmm. who is a Trump supporter, a staunch supporter, four-term congressman who is running and will face the two-term incumbent Bob Casey, a Democrat with uh, name recognition, of course, and his dad was governor and a long-term uh, of accomplishments. So let's talk about how will the Trump effect impact our Senate race. Well, Lou Barletta, I think, is tied more to Trump. I, I think people, um, you know, like the Inquirer did an article about Scott Wagner saying he's like Trump. Well, that's the Inquirer. I don't think that that's the reality. Scott Wagner is Scott Wagner. I think Lou Barletta, I think you would all agree, is probably more tied to Trump as being one of the first um, Congress people in the, in the country to endorse Donald Trump. Um, and his policies on immigration are, you know, more um, like the, the president. He supports the president on that. So that that would be. Um, you, you, some will say that that's more of a referendum on the on the president than I think the the governor's race. Uh, but his campaign's different than than Wagner's campaign. They're they're they really are different candidates. I you know I was talking with a lead Republican yesterday, um, specifically about the governor's race, and he said, you know. Scott Wagner is really the candidate that Republicans have wanted for a long time because he is different. He, he is not 
um, far to the right on social issues. It's really about job creation, about putting more money in the classrooms for kids directly. Um, criminal justice reform. He spent a lot of time in Philadelphia working with reform gang members, trying to come up with um, workforce initiatives for them. Uh, so he he's. He shouldn't be painted as kind of anything other than, I think, himself. Scott Wagner. Yeah. In, this, in the KC Barletta race, though, do you think the Trump effect will be uh, the loudest voice on that election, or do you think it's going to matter? I think the loudest voice is still going to be um, a referendum on Donald Trump uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, I think many people are going to be coming out either for... Uh, because they believe in what the president is doing or that they are very much opposed to it and are opposed to the politics of division and are really going to make sure that the Democrats have a really good shot at not only, again, controlling politics in, in Harrisburg, but also at the federal level. But if you're a betting man, is it going to be as close a razor-thin margin as we saw in the national election, or is this going to really be Bob Casey uh, is the incumbent and typically in Pennsylvania incumbents win? I think Bob Casey will win. Um, um, but I think it, every time you see a breaking news that save the date uh, notice that goes out to voters, both sides are uh, excited. And I think it's going to be a high, turno, uh, high turnout election, and whoever turns out the base will win. Uh, and I think, to your point, great analysis on Scott Wagner's his ability to sort of uh, build that ground uh, support would be key. If he can do that, uh, then Wolf is uh, vulnerable. All right, meantime, the Attorney General Josh Shapiro is asking for a grand jury report to be released early on the Catholic Church and alleged sexual abuses that have occurred. Uh, and we're trying to understand uh, journalistically, as well as the grand jury and the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, are weighing in on whether an early release is important and necessary. What's your take on it? Well, I was just going to say that I think what's really important for us to understand is that Pennsylvania is unique. Um, uh, as opposed to other states and that we have a constitutionally guaranteed right to reputation and so uh, while the Attorney General is uh, really trying to push for this release of this grand jury report and we can paint this all about sexual abuse which it is um, there is an aspect here where there are some people who are concerned about their names being put into this grand jury report how they're being released are they being redacted sufficiently and is their rep reputation going to be at risk keep in mind Chief Justice Tom Saylor when he's been uh, faced with these kinds of issues has always ended up taking the position that we need to protect people's reputation as part of our constitution. All right, we'll have to leave it at that. Inside Stories coming your way right after a break. 6 ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Time for Inside Stories of the Week, and let's start with Charmaine. Monica, tomorrow more than 10,000 young people in the city of Philadelphia are going to be headed out to work in all kinds of places, schools, neighborhoods, businesses, and they're going to be excited about the fact that they're not only going to have an opportunity to learn, but also to earn. Thank you to all of the employers and supporters who've made this program really, really important and special. All right, Liz. I don't think that uh, people realize that uh, Rittenhouse Square, the wonderful Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, does not get taken care of by the city. It's taken care of by a nonprofit called the Friends of Rittenhouse Square. I had the honor this year of um, co-hosting their their annual fundraiser, and we did fantastically well. More sponsors than ever, raise more money. But if you utilize the square, think about how you could, you know, please look up uh, Friends of Rittenhouse Square and, and make a donation because everything helps us. All right, AJ. Great job, Liz. Uh, on September 20th, we'll unveil the next cohort of leadership from the Germination Project. So uh, come and buy tickets, germinationproject.com. 
Uh, the event will be at the Union League, and this year we have 18 that will be unveiled uh, to the city. All right, and Farah. I have the great honor of leading the Philadelphia Education Fund, and we had an event with former Mayor John Street, who said the following for the new school board. Recognize that um, the issue would be changing the governance of our school district is the same as two people driving a car and realizing they're running out of gas and deciding they're going to change the drivers. It doesn't change the fact that they're running out of gas. So the new school board, nine laudable individuals who have taken up the mantle of leadership there, I wish them all the best and wish that their gas tank will always remain full. All right, thank <laughs> you so much to everybody for your thoughts and for your time today. Thanks to you for watching. Hope you have a great week ahead. We'll see you right back here next Sunday morning.